0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, a formal welcome to Daily Power Show. Today is Friday, December 3rd, a.k.a. day number five of Hanukkah. This is big. We're going to wrap up the Torah portion of Miketz, and we're in the thick of the drama of Joseph, between Joseph and his brothers, where they're, they've come down to Egypt to buy food and he's accused them of being spies and they were not spies. You are spies. We're not spies. Well, then what's, what's your family like? Oh, we have a brother, Benjamin, at home. Bring down Benjamin. Uh, he keeps Shimon captive until he holds Shimon as a prisoner until they bring down Benjamin. The father doesn't want to send down Benjamin. Eventually, he relents, sends down Benjamin. And now all the brothers are together down in Egypt for the first time together in over 20 years. 11 brothers and Joseph, the the imbalance in information here is, the asymmetry is, they don't know who he is. He knows exactly who they are. And hijinks ensues. Okay, so I'm going to share my screen and take you to, just to give you bearings of where we are. This is me, Cates. This is reading number six, right, for Friday. And we are up to... Chapter 44. Okay, what happened in the, in the preceding verses, which we covered yesterday, is that the brothers came down with Benjamin and they returned money that had been returned to their bags the first time they came down. They paid for food and they got the food in their bags. And when they went home or when they stopped along the way, they realized that the money was back in the bags and they started panicking. They came down back down to Egypt, and they got pulled in directly into Joseph's house. And they thought, that's it, they're done, they're finished. And they said, no, we didn't do it, we didn't steal we have the money to return. And the, the fellow who was running the household said, what are you talking about? Keep the money, Gosh, God gave you a gift, no worries, you're fine. They sit down to eat, and there's a lavish meal, and they're all sitting down, right? They all sat down, he, Joseph sat them according to the correct age. And they brought them large food and everything. Benjamin got more, five times as much. And they drank and became intoxicated with him. So it was, it was good. At this point in the story, it's good. The brothers are happy. They came down to buy food. A second time, they're getting wined and dined by no, none other than the viceroy himself, who they don't know is their brother, Joseph. Genesis chapter 44, let's jump in. Then he, Joseph, commanded the overseer of his house saying the following. Fill the men's sacks with food, as much as they can carry, and put each man's money into the mouth of his sack. Once again, the same spiel. Give them the food, and sneak in the money back into their bags. But listen to the twist. And my goblet, the silver goblet, that was the goblet that he officially pretended to use as a divining goblet, like like a sorcery cup, or whatever it was, which he didn't practice sorcery. He was a Jew. He was a Jewish kid. A Jew, not a kid anymore. He was a Jewish man who was connected with Hashem. But he had this silver goblet that was like officially his secret weapon. My goblet, the silver goblet, the silver goblet, not just any goblet, the silver goblet, my goblet put into the mouth of the sack of the youngest, Benjamin. Sneak my goblet into the bag of Benjamin, and also put there his purchase money. And he did, the, the overseer of the house did, according to Joseph's word, which he had spoken. Let's continue. So the morning became night became light. That was that night. The next morning, the men were sent on their way, they and their donkeys. So the next morning, the brothers, the 11 brothers, they bid farewell. It's been a nice uh, quick stay in Egypt. They were wined and dined. They stayed overnight, and now they were heading home. Listen to this. They had exited the city, but had not gone far. When Joseph said to the overseer of his house, Get up, pursue the men, and when you overtake them, say to them the following, Why have you repaid good with evil? How dare you? I was so nice to you, and you did something so horrible. How dare you? Is not this, this, sorry, is not this cup, the one my master drinks from? Why he even divines with it? Yeah, this is like official cup of divination. You have done evil by the way you have acted. This is the message that the overseer of the house is supposed to deliver to the 11 brothers when he overtakes them. So Joseph says, chase after them and catch up to them. And when you catch up to them, say, how dare you repay Joseph or The viceroy's kindness with horrible, horrible actions. How dare you take his cup? Okay. That's what happens. He overtook them and he said these words to them. He delivered the message. And the brother said to him, to this messenger, why should my master say such words as these? Why are you saying, why are you accusing us? Far be it from your servants to do a thing like this. We would never do something like this. We would never. Behold, the money we found in the mouth of our sacks we returned to you from the land of Canaan. Like we're honest people, we're not. We're not ganavim. We're not thieves. We're not a ganiv. When we had money that we found, extra money, we came back. We brought it back. Don't you remember? We brought it back. So how could we steal from your mouth, from your master's house, silver or gold? How could you accuse us of stealing? It's like imagine you're invited to the White House. And on the way out, the president says to one of the... Put the uh, silver spoon into, into the bag of one of the guys. And then they, they sends the Secret Service or whatever it is to catch up with them. So they say, what do you mean? We're honest people. We demonstrate our honesty by returning the money that we found. So how could we possibly have stolen from... From the house of your master, silver or gold. And then they go further. Whichever one of your servants with whom it is found, in other words, if you do find it, that person shall die. And also we will be slaves to my master. And he said, Now indeed, so it is as you have spoken. Okay? That deal is a deal. But the one with whom it is found shall be my slave and you shall be cleared. With one caveat. I'm not looking to kill anybody. I'm not looking to imprison all of you. Whoever is the guilty party, they shall be a slave and everyone else can go home. So the offer was, you'll never find this silver goblet with us. We didn't steal it. And if you find it with one of us, you can kill him and keep us all as slaves. And he says, you know what? I'm accepting your deal with a modification. Only the one that stole it will get punished as a slave. Everyone else can go. So they hastened. And the brothers were confident. That, I mean, they knew no one had stolen anything. That was ludicrous. So they, they quickly, they, they moved quickly, and each one lowered his sack to the ground because they had them up on the camels and the donkeys, whatever. So they took off the, they unloaded the luggage, you know, like when you drive with the roof racket. They unloaded the luggage, put it on the ground, And each one opened his bag, his luggage, for inspection. He searched. This is not Joseph. This is the guy that Joseph sent. He searched. He started with the eldest and finished with the youngest. Well, I guess that's a dramatic uh, approach because the goblet was found in Benjamin's sack, in the sack of the youngest. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven inspections and nothing. And the brothers are probably like, you see? We told you so. You see? And they get to the last kid, the last brother, Benjamin, and what happens? They find him. They are completely stunned, jaws to the floor. What do you even say? How is it even possible? How is this real life? So they rent their garments. Like you do, like a person does when, when a loved one passes away. They, they tore their clothing. And each one loaded his donkey and they returned to the city. Can you imagine? The shame, the fear, the anger. I don't know. I don't know what emotions. I just a whirlwind of negative emotions. How is this even happening? Benjamin, did you steal the cup? No. How did it get there? Swirling. The minds must have been swirling a thousand miles a minute. But what are you going to do? You got to face the music. They go back. They turn back around to the city. And Judah and his brothers came to Joseph's house. And he was still there. And they fell before him on the ground. And Joseph said to them, What is the deed that you have have committed? Don't you know that a person like me practices divination? He's like, what were you trying to do? Don't you know that I have ways of sorcery, of figuring out somebody... I don't have to check the security cameras. I have other I have other ways to find out who did what. Don't you know that I practice sorcery? You thought you were going to get away with it? You thought I wasn't going to notice? You thought that I would, you know, never figure out that you stole the cup? I know exactly what happened. Again, the brothers have no idea how this is even possible. You can imagine just the... The, the, the feeling of just the bottom dropping out from, a, from, 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 from their feet. Just like free fall. And Judah said to Joseph, who he didn't know was a brother, What shall we say to my master? What can we say? What shall we speak? And how shall we exonerate ourselves? There's nothing we can say. We, we were all there. He opened the bag and there was the cup. There's nothing to say. God, so he says, the only answer is that it's from God. God has found your servants iniquity. Behold, we are my Lord's servants, both we and the one in whose possession the God has been found. Judas says to Joseph, he says, look, there's nothing to say. No excuses, no justifications, no, no alibi. No, I, there's nothing we can say. God clearly decided that this is what's going to happen. This is happening. I'm accepting it. We will all be your slaves. Us and Benjamin, who you found the goblet in, we're all in this together. We'll be your slaves together. Can and Judah doesn't want to go home without Benjamin. He can't go home. So he's like, all right, let's all stay here. But Joseph said, no, chalila, chalilali, chas v'shalom, God forbid, far be it from me to do this. The man in whose possession the goblet was found, he shall be my slave. Benjamin will be my slave. But as for you, go up in peace to your father. You go home. That's how the Torah portion ends. The Torah reading of Miketz ends on this incredible cliffhanger where the the most devastating thing possible has just happened. Benjamin has been found to have the goblet in his bag. They're they're facing Joseph. Joseph, they say to, Judah says to Joseph, keep us all as slaves. And Joseph says very kindly, very kindly, no, 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 no. Why would I keep all of you? You're all innocent, except for Benjamin, except for the youngest. Sarah, jump in. So I thought that Joseph was genuinely moved by Benjamin thinking of him throughout all these years of yes. separation. Yes, yes. And... Yeah, so what, what was his, in keeping, excellent. in setting this up, what's his... You know. So, excellent, excellent question. You're asking the magical question. And, and the, the core answer is that Yosef was setting up a scenario. He's giving the brothers every opportunity to say goodbye to, Rachel, to Rachel's, to Rachel's second son. They got rid of Yosef. They were always jealous of the attention that their father gave to, to Rachel as opposed to their mother. Right? That's Reuben, that's why he moved the tent, moved the bed, sorry, moved the bed from. Okay. So that, that was always a thing. The dynamic, the core dynamic in the relationship between Yosef and his brothers was really about their mothers. So what's happening here is, so 20 years before, they had sold out Yosef to get rid of him. And now what Yosef is setting up is a scenario where the brothers could say. The Benjamin, bye-bye, see you later. There's no indication that they, that they hated Binyamin like they hated Yosef. The Torah tells us they hated Yosef. The Torah doesn't tell us anything about the relationship between Binyamin and the brothers. But he was the remaining son of Rachel. And, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We do know how important Binyamin is. I'm sorry, I don't know why I said that. Yaakov, Jacob, sends all the sons down to Egypt except for Benjamin. He's still favoring Rachel's kid. I, ho- I hope that's making sense. He says, I-, I don't want this child to be compromised. Yeah, and who are we, chopped liver? He's sending 10 sons down to Egypt to buy food, but he's not sending Benjamin. And when they come back and say, well, the viceroy asked for Benjamin, he says, not sending Benjamin. What if something happens to him? What if something happens to him? What if something happened to us? <laughs> what, us you don't care about, him you care about? There's still a dynamic, there's still a dynamic. What Yosef is setting up, Yosef was moved, you're right, Yosef was moved and he loved his brother. This was his brother from his, from his mother. He loved Benjamin, this wasn't about Benjamin as much as it was about the brothers. Here's the ultimate test. 20 years later, the brothers have the chance to once again cut ties with the brother, with, this, with their brother from Rachel that they are a little bit jealous of, who's a little bit more favored than them, and, and in this case, they don't even have to do anything; they just have to follow orders. The vice Yosef just told them, "You lech uh, alu le go up in peace, elavichem to your father, go back home. You guys are good. Ten of you are fine. Go home. Go to your dad. Give my regards. Benjamin is staying with me. He stole the cup. And now the question is: Will they fight for their brother, or will they let him languish? in Egypt like they did 20 years ago? Will they fight for him? And the answer is, the opening of next week's Torah portion is, Judah says, no deal, no dice. I'm not, we, we are not leaving Egypt without Benjamin. If it means we're all gonna die fighting, trying, so be it. We are not leaving Egypt. You're telling us go and leave Benjamin? Not happening. And with this, they demonstrated their, not only desire, but their readiness, to fight for Benjamin. And then Yosef says, you're fighting for Benjamin, even though he's from Rachel, even though he's a little bit more favored, even though I just gave him five times the amount as you to try to, again, stir up that jealous, uh, right? That jealousy, and you still went to bat for him, now I know you did shuvah. So he wasn't trying to harm Benjamin in this case. He was trying to set up a scenario where the brothers would... Have an opportunity to once again say say bye to Rachel's, to one of Rachel's sons, and this time they made a different choice. As we'll see in next week's Torah portion. Anyway, I hope that makes does that make sense? Sorry, I put not on mute. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It explains why he was given more food. Than yeah, yeah, right. It explains. It. Yeah, yeah. it explains this piece that that I start that I mentioned in, in my recap. When, right before we started, right, this, this last verse of, of yesterday's reading, or the reading that we did yesterday, he's, Benjamin's portion was five times as large as the portion of any of them. He gave Benjamin more, more stuff. And even though he was the youngest, to try to once again set up a jealousy dynamic and then see if the brothers would still act with that, with that jealous rage or have they grown beyond that and are now going to fight for the brother despite jealousy. And they do, and they do, and with this, they do tshuva. Because tshuva, as the Rambam says, Maimane says, is when you have the same opportunity as you had before, but you make a different choice. How do you know? You know, tshuva means that a person is um, rehabilitated, so to speak. How do you know? You only know when the same temptation presents itself, but you act and you make a different choice this time. If you... If you take someone, let's say somebody <coughs> somebody committed a crime, and you put them in a place where they can no longer physically, they can't commit that crime anymore. For whatever, whatever the crime is, they, there's no longer the opportunity. Are they rehabilitated? Are they reformed? How do you know? I mean, they, they don't have the opportunity. How do you know somebody's changed? When you have the same scenario, the same opportunity, the same temptation, but you act differently, now you know there's change. So he was trying to set up a scenario where the brothers would have a similar type of dynamic. It's Rachel's son, their younger brother. He's being favored, right? Will you sell him out? Will you, will you go to bat for him? Will you fight for him? They fought for him. He says, all right, game, game's, game over, game's up. The ruse is up. I'm Yosef. I'm Yosef. You've done you. I see you're different. You've changed. We can reconcile. This is how he brings them to to the ideal state of tshuva, which is true transformation where decisions are made differently than before. Okay, so that that really takes us to the end of Miketz. I'm going to show you, let me share my screen and and tell you what's going on over here. Rabbi? Uh, Yeah. But, like, Yaakov really helped, too, for them to see the need to do tshuva, right? Because he was insistent you know, that he had to have this remaining... So, right? I mean, yeah. They knew, though, 20 years prior how much Yosef meant to their father okay. and how much his absence would hurt him. Maybe they didn't, they didn't experience it yet, but they probably could have guessed. But you're right. Yaakov told them, Jacob told them, you better bring him back. So they had that, they, they, and they promised, especially Judah. Judah's the one who, who, took, who made the guarantee. So he's stepping up because he's, he made the guarantee, but there's also this idea of Keshul. There's also this idea that they're in a different place than they were 20 years ago. Seventh reading, by the way, is not from this week's Torah portion. It's from the book of Numbers, as you see right here. Numbers 28, 9, right here. Numbers. It's the Rosh Chodesh reading. Let's go through it very quickly. We read it Shabbat Rosh Chodesh to tell us... Sorry, because... We read about what they used to bring in the temple... What sacrifices, offerings do you to bring to the temple on Shabbat and Rosh Chodesh? Because this Shabbat, tomorrow, tonight and tomorrow, is Rosh Chodesh, Tevet. The Rosh Chodesh of the month of Tevet. So Numbers chapter 28, verse 9, And on the Sabbath day, bring two unblemished lambs in the first year, and, ten- and two tenths of an ephah fine flour as a meal offering mixed with oil and its libation. This is, uh, feels like, Leviticus slash Numbers, right, discussions. Very different than the narrative in, in Genesis that we're doing. This is the burnt offering of each Sabbath on its Sabbath, in addition to the continual burnt offering and its libation. So this is the Musaf, the additional offering brought on Shabbat. And on the beginning of your months, uh, we call Rosh Chodesh, Uver Roshchei shechem the beginning of your months, you shall offer up a burnt offering to the Lord, two young bulls, one ram, and seven lambs in the first year, all unblemished. Three-tenths of an of fine flour, as a meal offering, mixed with oil for each bull. And two-tenths of an of fine flour, as a meal offering, mixed with oil for each ram. And one-tenth of an of fine flour, mixed with oil, as a meal offering for each lamb. A burnt offering with a spirit of satisfaction. A fire offering to the Lord. That means God enjoys us bringing these sacrifices. And their libations. Don't forget to pour the liquids. A half a hin of wine for each bull. A third of a hin for each ram. A quarter of a hin for each lamb. Wine. Alright, wine is at the end. Wine for all these. This is the burnt offering of each new month. In its month, throughout the months of the year, every Rosh Chodesh, these are the additional offerings that are brought. And one young male goat for a sin offering to the Lord, it shall be offered up in addition to the continual burnt offering and its libation. So, on on Rosh Chodesh, we read the Rosh Chodesh, and Shabbat Shabbat Rosh Chodesh, we read the, the, the additional offerings for Shabbat and Rosh Chodesh. Finally, the Maftir is the third reading. We have three Torahs this week. A third reading from Numbers 7. Number 7. It's earlier in the book of Numbers. It talks about the inauguration of the Mishkan, the inauguration of the tabernacle. Each day of the first 12 days of the month of Nisan, in the year 2449, when the, when the Mishkan, when the tabernacle was inaugurated, each tribe represented by their leader, they brought a gift to the Mishkan, a gift to the temple. We read this on Hanukkah, Because Hanukkah is the holiday in which the Jewish people rededicated the temple. Remember, it was defiled by the Greeks. And then the Jews got it back, and they reconsecrated it. They rededicated it. So on on Hanukkah, we read the reading from the Torah that talks about the original dedication of the tabernacle in the desert in the times of Moses. Rededicate, in fact, Hanukkah, the word Hanukkah, means dedication. Hanukkah means dedication. So, for example, if somebody dedicates uh, moves into a new house, a party that you would have for a dedication of the house party would be Chanukat Habayit. A, a, a housewarming party would be called Chanukat Habayit. Chanuk- Chanukah. It's, it's an it's a inauguration or a dedication. So we read about the dedication the first time around in the temple, and in, in, the, in the Mishka, in the tabernacle. So Numbers chapter 7, verse 42, on the sixth day of the month of Nisan, the chieftain, and we read this tomorrow because it's, it's the sixth day of Hanukkah. On the sixth day, the chieftain was of the sons of God, Eliasaf, the son of Duel. His offering was one silver bowl weighing 120 shecle, 130 shekels, one silver sprinkling basin weighing 70 shekels, according to the holy shekel, both filled with fine flour mixed with olive oil for a meal offering, one spoon weighing 10 shekels of gold filled with incense, one young bull, one ram and one lamb in its first year for a burnt offering, one young he-goat for a sin offering, and for the peace offering, two oxen, five rams, five he-goats, five lambs in their first year. This was the offering of Eliasaf, the son of Duel. So in conclusion, what we have here are three readings. The bulk is the Torah portion, which talks about the drama of Yosef and the brothers trying to buy food and the famine and the dreams and all that stuff that we t- covered this week. The seventh reading is a short reading about Shabbat Rosh Chodesh. And the third reading is a little excerpt about the inauguration of day number six. It's about the inauguration of the Mishkan of old, back many, many, many years ago, which we read on Hanukkah as we commemorate the rededication of the temple. Okay, today, I have to apologize. I do not have time. I have to run. I I mentioned before I have to end a little bit early, so 12.45 is my cutoff. Uh, We don't have time to do the Haftorah, but... You should know it's a very special haftorah, Rani Vesimchi Batzion. It's about um, the redemption, the messianic era. I encourage everyone; you can go to chabad.org, go to the parasha page, go to you know weekly Parsha, weekly Torah portion. Click on haftorah, and you can read it. It's from Zechariah or Zachariah. It talks about the idea of redemption. It talks about the idea of Mashiach and the ultimate uh the ultimate better time it also talks about why is it related to Hanukkah? because it says over here what do you see and i said i saw and behold there was a candelabrum of all gold a gold candelabra right kind of like a menorah right in the hebrew it's not kind of like it says menorah a golden menorah in the prophecy he sees a candelabra so that's why we read it on Hanukkah because it talks about candelabras with olive trees and all that stuff. It's a very interesting one. I, I highly recommend it. It's actually a composite because it's Shabbat Rosh Chodesh. We read a section from Zechariah, we read a section from Isaiah, and from Samuel. Okay, there's three, it's a composite of three different sections, brief excerpts. Anyway, it's, uh, it's a nice haftorah. Everyone's encouraged to read it. All right, my friends, have a wonderful Shabbat. It's great to see you all. A few quick announcements. Number one, Shabbos, Khanaka. Don't forget to light your menorah before you light your Shabbat candles. When you light Shabbat candles, that means that it's Shabbos and you shouldn't be lighting the menorah, yet, the menorah after that. So light your menorah first and then your Shabbat candles later. Candle lighting today is... Hold on. Pull up my handy-dandy uh, uh, calendar. Candle lighting today in Atlanta, at least, is 510. Ooh, it's early. 510. So make sure you light your Hanukkah candles before five ten, and your Shabbat candles at five ten. Um, if you're joining, yeah, still be yeah, it'll still, still be light, right? So you actually have to have more, a, a, a little bit of a longer candle or more oil last to last into to the, the night, night right? exactly to last into. You got to light it right. You got to light it before sunset, but then have it go a little bit longer. So I mean, most candles should be okay. It, it's got to light thirty minutes after it gets dark, ish. Not fully pitch black, but like, you know, 30 minutes into the night, so to speak. So, fine. So, that's, that's the announcement number one, a technical announcement. Tomorrow in Shul, we're going to be reading the three sections from the Torah. So, if you want to join us, that would be amazing. Lots of fun. Sunday night in Decatur, 4 p.m. Sunday afternoon, evening in Decatur, 4 p.m. Big lighting with the congresswoman who took over the position, the, the, the seat of John Lewis. So, she is going to be joining us. Um, for the lighting, as well as many other people with good food and good spirit. And finally, final announcement next Thursday, don't miss this, Bound to Inspire. This is our book event, Extravaganza. It's a cocktail reception, multimedia experience uh, de- depicting some of the greatest and most uh, priceless Jewish books ever printed, culminating it with a, the, the ability to peruse and purchase fine jewish books that you can study and read and uh, fill your house with light the Rebbe was very much a proponent of a house of a jewish home having jewish books this is a great chance to get quality jewish books in your home we'll have them available thursday evening the event starts at seven everyone's invited and please tell your friends it's gonna be a lot of fun all right thank you very much for joining today for dbp i want to wish you all a shabbat shalom Filled with light and peace and joy and good spirit. Take care, everybody. We'll see you soon. See you next week. Shabbat shalom. Thank you, Rabbi. Pleasure. Good to see you, everyone. Sarah. Good Shabbos. Ray, good Shabbos. Donna, good Shabbos. Shor.